0: Yay, everyone's recording. The boys. That's
1: just
0: the yawn cover of playing with the boys. That's (laughs) not an attitude that's going to win you a beach
2: volleyball game. Every move you make. In honor of Watcher, what's your favorite cinematic stalker?
0: I'm Katie Rich. I'm not sure this is totally accurate, but Justin Thoreau, as the man in the cowboy hat and Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion, just set this like creepy, sexy template for Justin Thoreau so long before he became anybody we knew about. And we have to honor that.
1: I'm Matt Patches and I'm going to go with Wally.
2: Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what is hey, it? Oh, Wally. <laughs> <laughs> He's got work to do. Uh, I'm David the Seven, and I'm going to go with Joshua Schaefer, the actor who plays Peter in the lead of a 1998 movie called Eight Days a Week, where Peter camps out on Carrie Russell's oh. front lawn until she agrees to go on a date with him.
3: Absolutely iconic late 90s VHS. Uh, vividly remember seeing it at Tower video, or Academy video. I used to videos all the time. Did you ever, it ever watch it? Well, it was on cable eventually, so I didn't have to pull the trigger and embarrass myself by bringing eight days a week to the clerk, and then you know, a la Stranger Things, learning about the song eight days a week by renting the uh, Felicity Karen <laughs> Russell uh, movie eight days a week. I didn't have to go through that crucible. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's a particularly good movie, but who could say? I'm David Ehrlich, and I am sad that nobody took Stalker, the Tarkovsky film, which puts me in the position of having to be a self parody uh, by choosing yes. Stalker. That was more of an um, alley on our you part. You know what? I'm throwing, fuck you, Tarkovsky, in the bin. I'm, no. going, I'm going with the replacement, <laughs> the ultimate film, Swim Fan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and now we have the two sides of David in one lightning round question. Yeah. What, a, what an accomplishment.
4: Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good then. Well then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine, then, and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. A podcast.
0: Hello, and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 100. Oh no, it's episode 394. It's only pandemic 115, but time has no meaning. Uh, it's the week of Wednesday, June first. That is the day that in 1973, Paul McCartney and Wings released the single for "Live and Let Die." It is also, I believe, the birthday of one Mr. Matt Patches.
1: Hey, true. I made
0: you? I made you a shoe. Happy <laughs>
1: birthday! Wow, just what I need. I actually, yeah, I, I'm shoes. missing one, so another one would be good.
4: <laughs>
3: Truly, <laughs> uh, I, for- if very few things I saw. I can were able to compete with what I watched in the cab home from JFK Airport, which was Matt Patches eating <laughs> a shoe.
4: I, I uh, Katie
1: wants it, to talk pe- about it more later.
0: So. I hope <laughs> we got a real listenership bump from people who want the BTS dirt on the shoe video. So um, welcome everybody who is joining us from uh, Patch's <laughs> YouTube video. Uh, the credits, which which thanked us, which was so nice. Hey, that's we'll fun. get there. Uh, I don't know if we have any reviews. I haven't asked David yet. So, David, do we have any reviews?
3: Uh, we do. My first review that I'm going to read is of Katie Rich's Carolina Hurricanes. I oh. suck. <laughs>
0: Boy. they're out. Boy, we would
3: have had a real problem in this podcast. Uh, oh, a very oh, so, unilateral problem, given that Katie was so could not give less of a shit, and I care far too much. Wait, the so, Carolina, they, so
0: the Rangers beat them? Is this what oh, you're telling me? Oh, did
3: they ever? I mean, I truly do not understand how the Rangers managed to beat them, but in the decisive Game 7 last night, the night that we're recording this, the Rangers did indeed triumph. The Carolina Hurricanes that are now in the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time in seven years. Very, very, very exciting for me, who knows how they're going to fare against Tampa Bay. Probably not well, but uh, I'm I'm
0: happy. I'm genuinely happy for you. I
3: I, I will make this uh, 15 seconds and no longer. But surely someone listening to this can understand the pain of being on a flight with minimal Internet, like really only able to see text and not even a GIF, let alone a video, while your favorite sports team is playing in a game seven uh, and knowing like shortly after takeoff that it goes into OT. And just sitting there and refreshing. And also being a terrified flyer, there was a lot of anxiety going on for me. And then when I saw the Rangers hit score, this is the first round series, and beating the Pittsburgh Penguins in OT, uh, I let out like a, uh, a spontaneous yelp that had it not come from my own body, I mm-hmm. think would have been very alarming to me and hopefully no one else. Anyway.
0: Not even, GIF.
3: Not even a gif. Not even a gif. These are the times to try men's souls, but oh, Artemi Panarin they. was able to make it happen. Toast that bread. Uh, okay. What are we talking about? Reviews. I'm fighting in the war room. We, it seems like we got some. Seems like we got some. Um. <laughs> I, seems like we got some. Uh, are, Oscar uh, Watcher. stalling.
0: Uh, wa- fascinating. Okay. Uh,
3: uh, Oscar Watcher Abby says, "Bring back de." Ooh. Two two pathetic stars from Oscar Watcher Abby. Oh wow. Oh, are
0: mad that you left.
3: Second week in a row, I've had to turn off this podcast. Tedious. Hope D.E. gets back soon for real. He might not even be able to save this once enjoyable podcast. I'm (laughs) banking on the fact that he won't. Wow. Um, I did have to cross-check my own initials against my name because I could not wrap my head around the idea that this person wants me, of all people, to come back. But uh, they got their wish. How soon did they stop last
2: week's episode? Because there was 17 solid David Ehrlich minutes in last (laughs) week's episode. Very. If
3: I I, I didn't listen to them, but if I remember recording them well. Very uh, sleepy draw like very laconic sort of just yes blah, blah, my dad time. my dad's
1: <laughs> review of last week's episode was david definitely took an ambient <laughs>
3: you No, know, i hadn't i was just so i mean i'm sure i took an, an ambient later than anything but i was just so tired and sleepy and it's very hard to just monologue about a film festival to yourself um but i'll bring back the ambient for uh, my next film fest dispatch it will <laughs> at least make things a little bit loopier uh, maybe we'll get this Rod this reviewer matches, back Broad Patches uh, and this viewer will both be happy about that. Um, this review has everything to do with us," says Wiley, nineteen ninety two. Love the show, y'all. Been listening for a few years now. David, specific question for you in light of your star emoji scathing close star emoji review of Baz Baz's Elvis. Nope. <laughs> which Baz? Oh yeah, uh, we might I need to talk about this. Too. Which Baz? <laughs> I noticed you did a 180 on Gatsby a few years ago on Letterboxd. What made you change your mind on it? it? Is it possible you change your mind on Elvis in the future? What other movies a you all? I don't think yes. you should answer this question.
1: I think you well, need I have a very short
3: answer. I have a very short answer to this question that will not in any way step on the toes of our future Elvis segment. Okay, yeah, we um, definitely which... want to talk about Elvis sometime. Of course. Yeah. Uh, the very short answer, and I, I do want to read the last segment, the last sentence rather of this review when I'm done. Through this, but the, the very short answer is that no, unfortunately, I do not foresee there being that dramatic of a turnaround or any turnaround at all about Elvis because, uh, for one very clear difference, which is that watching Elvis, unlike that initial viewing of the Great Gatsby, I was bored out of my fucking mind. Uh, and boredom is not something that I find easily reversible. If something hits you the wrong way, if some of the choices, particularly when you're dealing with something as sacred as the Great Gatsby, sacred in its own merit anyway. Um, you know, you can, they can sort of knock you sideways and uh, surprise you and rattle you and maybe leave a bad taste to your mouth that you end up acquiring. But uh, the sheer mind numbing, what am I having for dinner? What am I having for dinner tomorrow? What's my kid doing right now? Like, literally, how many stars are there in the universe type boredom I was experiencing during all 12 hours of Elvis is not something I ever expect. Yeah, it's to tough. Turn like, the film on.
1: festival environment, probably the most electric place to see. Movie like that, the first person to see it. And uh, well, twelve
0: standing uh, ovation, yeah.
3: I, I mean, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty, but I saw Elvis, uh, not at the I saw Elvis uh, <laughs> more, in, a, in, a, in a more, in a more, uh, in a, a more low uh, setting.
1: You were bored in a pre fest screening situation, uh,
3: yeah. And, um, I, I don't think that sitting in a tuxedo on the third balcony of the Palais in stifling heat would have really improved <laughs> the experience. Um, I was at least in the front row of the screen room where I was, was, so I could see the screen. Um, but, uh, no, it was really painful. And, uh, I, I, I'm sure that watching clips of it 90 seconds here or there, as they make their way into the internet and become eminently memeable, uh, will be more enjoyable in those bite-sized chunks. But as a whole, no, I really, really don't think it's possible for me to come around on Elvis. I'm sorry to say. Uh the rest of the review goes on to ask what are other movies you all now love that you disliked on first viewing. PS, I'm ready for the men's book club. I'll be a charter member. Well, I don't know <laughs> if we're ready for the men's book club, but the world better get ready for Book Club 2, which uh That's true. Is, according we to my email. It's filming, yeah. Yeah,
0: they're making a Book Club
1: too. Oh my god.
3: Yeah, uh, <laughs> they've already started. They're all the ladies are in Italy. They're oh
2: no, bad. now of I got to eat a book. Ah, book club, here we go again. <laughs>
3: Um, you all
0: stepped on Dave's line that he has to eat a book. I, I, I'm just kidding.
3: <laughs> Good one, Dave. It was even Thank funny you. enough, like that when Katie repeated it. Uh, it still works. So. <laughs> um, I am going to Italy in a couple weeks for a a vacation is too a strong a word for when you're traveling with a two and a half year old. But um, I I will see if if they're still shooting if I can find the set of Book Club too. Wow. And bring you a report. I would watch um, a movie
0: about you finding the set of book club, too, also.
3: Guys, have we talked in the past about movies that we have disliked initially and then come around on? It feels vaguely familiar.
0: Seems like it's like a quarter quell topic, honestly. hundred years it. Uh, yeah, that, I was
1: about <laughs> to say, that might be a good thing to ruminate a bit more on. I
0: it. did notice that we're at uh, 394, which gives oh. us six weeks to figure something okay,
3: out. Uh, so this could be a great
1: I, quarter
2: quell topic. I want to put my foot down
3: and say we're finally doing my the long-promised listener live
2: show again. Alright, alright. All right. I gotta continue my re-up my, my commitment to technology. Yeah. <laughs>
3: um, we'll get back to you, Wiley1992. I think somewhere in the in the annals of the show and how dare you not be able to just think exactly what episode it was in the 10 years Which we've been we doing this. Which we can't remember. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. But somewhere in there we must have discussed it, but Greg Gatsby definitely on that list. Thank you for your review. Finally, uh, a quick one. If, Unless I am wrong, you guys have read this on a previous episode from RKJCNE who says great show stop me if this sounds familiar um I pulled my act together and rated the show so as not to hear about another Star War my two cents for the conversation about streamers not creating stars is that Paul mm. didn't you guys talk about this Paul Mescal we did talk about this last week yes I listened to that and I remember you talking about it. RKJCNE, you tried to pull a fast one and get us to read your review twice. Uh. Uh, I
4: think
0: I think that was all on you, man. No,
3: nope. uh, Blame <laughs> it blame it podcast. all on the listeners when in doubt. Thank you all for leaving uh, reviews. I'll go on iTunes, Fighting in the War Room. We've crested. I don't know why the word crested came to mind. Not a word I think I've used in conversation at any point in memory. Uh, we've crested 801 reviews 800 reviews on itunes no. BR no. we'll read it live on the show if you're not in the united states but still want to leave us a review you can email us dave work reaches
2: you can email us at fit.wr.podcast at gmail.com that's fitwr.podcast at gmail.com like martin who emailed this short but well-written review Vigorous approbation of segments pondering some quasi patches driven, imponderable that isn't tied to some title piece of narrative. Nicely done. Ooh.
1: So you okay, like so some, liked... people, some people like the podcast with David.
0: Good. I Ooh. almost wondered if that was an acrostic for a second. Like it was written in a way that I was like, what's it going to
1: spell?
2: At the yeah, end? is this leading <laughs> us to the treasure? Uh... Ooh, I hope so we events. have to we have to we have to decode it uh dan Brown like but yeah send us your uh, emails there your international reviews and we will read them aloud otherwise put them on the iTunes podcast that's where that's where it helps you're the cool and man you send you up freezing cool and nine, so nine oh, all right
0: I do not want this segment to be me grilling Dave about why he watches Stranger Things because that's not my intention. But Dave is the person here who is still watching Stranger Things, and you are so not alone. I feel like every time I checked it on my Twitter feed over the weekend, which I was trying not to do much because I was out of my house, um, just like all of these people who I just had swear I had not seen talk about Stranger Things in five years were like all about like Will Byers and Kate Bush and I don't know, I other <laughs> well, things. It, it hasn't
1: been on in like five years. Right, it, it <laughs> went away for a long it time. It feels now, close to it. It also feels like a series finale, but it's not right. Like there's actually yeah, a, like there's, a, there's two more episodes. No, I think there's a whole nother season after part two. No, four, part two, I think so. Yes,
2: there will be a season five. Yeah, we don't know how many volumes it's going to be in, for but we're reason, not done with Stranger Things even this in July. Giving the
1: series finale fanfare and not. It's just more yeah. Stranger Things after. Long dormant period of kind you of. You were absolutely being... breaking
0: news to me. I definitely assumed that this was a
1: strange Stranger Things no to idea. continue on after 90 minute episodes. Something some everyone reason.
0: else knew but me. I'm sorry. Uh, you have time anyway, to catch up. Be- with
2: what I really mean.
0: That, that's Uh-oh. true. I mean, so I, I watched the full first season of Stranger Things. I think I watched some of season two. I've definitely seen that. Like, What's the, the last
2: thing you remember happening in Hawkins, Katie?
0: I remember that redheaded girl showing up and them having like a radio signal that they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. To, like, that sounds fi- like season two. I think that's and that might be the first episode of season it two. That might be all girl, I
2: was. Is Thurman and Hawk's daughter? No, that's okay. season three.
0: Oh, wait. I remember there being a makeover montage in the mall.
2: Wait, so I ooh. got a little bit further Wasn't in season that last two. Season, yeah. The mall is season three. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. God, you, saw, you probably, probably saw that, that on entire YouTube.
0: season. No, I might have
1: seen There's it. There's no YouTube.
0: way. <laughs> uh, anyway, so people, so Stranger Things is still a huge show, and like I knew it was a huge show. I think whenever it, we talk about Netflix and their future, we talk about Stranger Things as being like their IP that they care about. But like, man, a lot of people still watch this show. That's really it. That's my question. <laughs> yep. I mean, they spent like as
3: 30 like, million dollars an episode. The only thing on that all of the people watching the show are talking about is Kate Bush which is fine yeah. by and me. And I don't
0: understand I don't understand how that happened and I would love to know more about that too.
2: So very simply, uh Kate Bush uh specifically running up the hill running up that hill uh is used in the show as the character of Max's favorite song and it turns out the way you could get out of sort of like a evil waking nightmare Freddy Krueger like caused by the bad guy this season is to hear your favorite song. It keeps the evil magic at uh, bay. So there's a very striking sequence in the fourth episode called Dear Wait, Billy. I'm, I'm so
3: sorry to interrupt, Dave, but can you just say that again? <laughs> Kate, Bush is, Kate Bush keeps the demons at bay? Keeps the Freddy Krueger away. Yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I, the only people the have been Kruger paying away. attention to this
3: long, for a long uh, time. I mean, I never thought Stranger Things could be so relatable.
2: Well, there's a yeah, there's a there's a sequence in that episode that uh, people uh, finding very you know fun and powerful and jaw dropping, where she's trapped in the upside down with the big villain, and her friends put her her Walkman on her ears, and she has to like run through a crumbling upside down uh, to the Kate Bush song, and then they make her a loop on it. So for the rest of the season, whenever that character's on screen, the subtitles have Kate Bush softly playing. <laughs> and yes, yeah. it, it is softly playing.
3: Can I ask you a question? Uh, it's been four seasons now, and I don't know how many years in the show, but couldn't someone simply turn the Upside Down the right way up?
2: Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm.
3: Good question, good question.
2: I mean, supposedly this is the first season where before they started the season, they submitted a uh, Bible story Bible document about what the Upside Down is and what its rules are. It's sort of been, I guess, in flux. Based on what season it's in, for instance, in the first season, it seemed like it had some sort of like toxic atmosphere, and they have completely let that go. We're jumping back and forth between the upside down a lot. It seems uh, in volume four, or in season four, volume one. <laughs> oh no!
0: <laughs> Can't wait. Just... only has
2: two episodes, but the, the finale episode is two hours and thirty minutes. My long. smile just went upside down when you said.
0: Um. Yeah, Dave, why are the episodes so goddamn long? This is a real barrier to me thinking I will ever watch this show again.
2: Wait, I would have...
3: I, I think I, the I bigger would've... barrier is the quality.
2: But well, yeah, like, uh... what is this
3: show about? That's what I... Can we <laughs> stop for one second and be thing. like...
1: Because, Dave, when you and I yeah, covered... Yeah. You and I <laughs> covered Stranger Things Season 1 together at Thrillist, and this was in 2016. This is when it was just kind of a... It was part 80s pastiche. Like, it was just a ripoff. Like, that was the whole point nodding to et and nodding to all these 80s movies and then it was but it was also like building that off some real life paranormal mythology about uh tests on kids on long island uh psychic abilities and that sort of thing i forget what is the what was the name of the camp the whole project that was like a project manhattan that
2: was it? redstone no, <laughs> no the- <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did write a whole uh, post you on did this, but I forgot I the name about this. of the camp.
1: Okay, well, I won't hold you accountable. But anyway, I felt like it was a very narrow, small show that they had no idea, to your point, about them only now writing a story Bible. Like, it, it just didn't feel like it needed to mean anything because it was all pastiche, right? It was all kind of like remixing references, old paranormal history to make a fun, Amblin esque, even though Amblin esque, what a perverted term at this point. Oh, my um, God. Like, Dream movie, <laughs> the, everything that Katie hates. Um, My least favorite toys in the eighties with flashlights going on an adventure. Uh, but yep. now, like, I just, I'm, I guess, I'm shocked it's lasted this long. And like, if they're only now coming up with the the Bible of what it all means, like, what is the show ultimately about at this point? Does it feel like it's going towards something bigger? Has it kind of divorced itself from the pastiche of of eighties movies? It doesn't sound like it because it now has a Freddy Krueger, in your words. Uh, which means it's still kind of like <laughs> riffing every season, like it's the fucking Goldbergs or something.
2: No, this is this is basically a riff. Uh, the only difference is now they've embraced the fact that they have no children in the show, so all of the Goonies, ET, shit is gone. It's all horror movies or '80s adventure movies. Um, <clears throat> so uh, this is. I, I think I should say first of all. This is the best season since season one. It's not as good as season one, but it doesn't have the season two and season three things that I think, uh, really slowed it down. (laughs) That being said, it is far too long. Someone needs to tell them, no, uh, the Duffer brothers. when they're writing things, uh, because I would have been fine if they were, you know, uh, 90 minute long episodes and they were structured like movies, like, they trick Netflix into making a whole bunch of mini movies that sort of work, mm-hmm. but these are definitely just extended TV shows. You could letter out the plots. They're very separated, uh, even geographically, uh, from the very beginning. And it isn't until the final episode of volume one, which I think is episode seven, uh, that they start bringing them all back, uh, together again. So I definitely see why there's going to be two hours and 30 minutes in the finale episode because they have so much ground to cover. um, That being said, uh, I think this is a much better version of a TV show. Like you were saying, Patches, a lot of times it would just read like sort of like a pastiche of different things. Uh, This one feels like it knows what it is and love it or hate it, it's going to confidently ride that all the way through. Uh, This, like I said uh, early on on the side, they, they, they estimated they spent about $30 million per episode. And there How? are some shots where I'm just like, yep, that's where it went. Mm. Like there are sequences where you're like, that, yeah, that looks like it cost would have cost thirty million dollars. Um, and the what other thing. To
3: the... Oh sorry. I, I just need to ask about the monsters because what I remember about the show is there was the one monster in the first season, and then there was like a much bigger monster in like the shadows in the second season. The Mind season. Flare! And yeah. and oh. then I at that rate, you know, I what I need, even as someone not watching the show, but I still need this sort of linear progression, is for the monsters to just get increasingly large and uh mm. this idea of oh, like, a Freddy Krueger sounds very disappointing to me
2: well the third season had the absorbing meat kaiju that attacked them all at the end so we went through large and gross mm, meat kaiju. uh now we're more too gross but intelligent we're at the con level of our movie making now uh where instead Sprouts of this can. uh <laughs> thank you uh, instead of this uh, nebulous evil threat that, you know, is sort of a hive mind that is, you know, the embodiment of this other place. Uh, it is definitely uh, singular consciousness out to get you this time. And the first seven episodes are entangled with uh, the question of how it came to be, especially the finale episode. And the thing I was going to bring up that has to do with uh, budget and that is something that is definitely... Uh, feeding some millions of dollars into these finale episodes is eventually right at the beginning of the series uh, for the opening scene. And then eventually uh, you will be getting lots of segments of a digital 11 uh, aged down. uh, And they will use her and intercut her with the full size Millie Bobby Brown, who's having flashbacks, uh, but some pretty significant sequences with what looks like a fully digital uh character which is you know interesting but expensive. to the question
3: that i think matt was asking earlier is there a sense that or maybe Kate, i'm sorry someone was asking is there a sense that they are building towards something clear or are they just sort of are they just sort of kicking the tires and and you know inflating the episodes in the budget and trying to force a sense of scale
2: Uh, they're, they're heading more back towards the beginning. Like this has more in common with, uh, season one, I think than two and three had in common with each other. So in that sense, I do feel like the narrative could come to the close, uh, really early on, they laid out some, uh, things, uh, from a authoritative character that's like, you know, Eleven's powers are here to fight the upside down and she's going to, you know, be our champion in a war. And I don't think that's gonna be a war we see this season, so I think they've told us where they're going. Whether or not they get another run of like an obscene amount of episodes at $30 million uh, will be dependent probably on how Volume 2 streams, because I think Volume 1 uh you know did pretty well for Netflix over the weekend. Uh I saw some statistics comparing it to other Netflix big weekends. And uh it is not the biggest weekend for a Netflix anything it is below uh, week three, week four, and week five of Squid Game, which are the biggest streaming Netflix weekends ever. That sounds right. So I don't, I don't know where that puts us on. Should they spend thirty million dollars on something? But I will say this feels more confident, and you could, uh, I, you could appreciate that confidence in between the the noise. Um, I'm hoping they, you know, pare it down for a real punch in the gut. Stranger Things 5 to conclusion. Wrap,
1: to wrap up, something I've been thinking about with Stranger Things, and I'm sure having watched this, you have greater thoughts because of what you, what you study, Dave. You, you'll have good thoughts here, which is, I've seen the cast compare this season. They've been saying, like, it's the Game of Thrones season. We've really gone Game of Thrones with the show. Uh, I assume that means just, like, scope and spending $30 million per episode <laughs> and trying to, like, mm. dick swing a bit by saying Stranger Things could be Game of Thrones. I've never gotten the sense that Stranger Things is, like, on the scale of... Uh, Netflix surely wants Stranger Things to be its Star Wars, its Game of Thrones. But does it feel like its own thing enough to to be that? Does it feel big enough? They certainly have telegraphed uh, when they when the Duffer brothers said, season five is going to be the end of the show, but it's not going to be the end of Stranger Things because we'll be doing oh, Stranger boy. Things stuff into the foreseeable future. The name Stranger Things will probably live on because it is the one big original IP that Netflix has managed to create, but like, do you get the sense that it really is? Does it seem interesting? I mean, what Game of Thrones has is like a rich history that was created by George R. R. Martin that goes in ev- both directions, past and future, and like it's endlessly mineable. On well, we don't even know if that's true. They're they're gonna test that through yeah. at the end of the summer to see if anyone gives a shit besides the the core series. But as far as like we. Obi-Wan came out the same weekend and maybe we'll talk about that show closer to when it's wrapped up, but um Star Wars is is a universe. It truly is. Or like Lord of the Rings might just be a universe. Maybe. We don't even know. Is Stranger Things that? Like, do you get the sense that this show has scope? Is that is an idea that could like continue to be that huge for Netflix? Did they figure it out?
2: Um, no, I think the story ends since, uh, volume five or whenever, uh, they decide to abandon the character, uh, of Eleven. What I could see them doing is just going and doing pastiche from the next decade, you know, like Stranger Things 90s oh, is, no. like, an X-Files, Didn't they you do know, this with group. Fear
1: Street? Like, didn't they yeah. have this That's experiment like, on like, a micro
2: level? And that, and that worked, you know? So, so, like, I could see the story, the Duffer Brothers being asked to come back and do, like, a... Twin Peaks, X-Files, you know, pilot that also is maybe not about kids, but is maybe about like something else. But the idea of, you know, keeping like a paranormal Mm. action show around that uh, they dump on the the binge stream model, I think that's so Netflix that it's going to be a property that maybe
1: sticks around. Stranger Things could be more True Detective than Game of Thrones.
3: Right. I mean, it's I mean, hard to yeah. imagine that this has longer legs than the Adam project, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what time. Well, what time David told me
1: off pod that he's committed to whatever the Duffer brothers do past, present, future. <laughs> he is a hardcore Stranger Things fan. We'll watch. I, I'm an tourist and I will... <laughs> listen, I
3: gave I gave mm-hmm. the new Claire Denis movie that everyone hated a good review out of can, so... Uh, you know, I'm in the Duffer Brothers corner. Always have been, always will be.
0: Duffer Brothers are the American Claire Denis, we've all been saying.
3: You know yep. what? I've always said that, and I'm glad that someone else is uh, finally doing yeah. you,
1: to... you are a Duffer bro. You are a Duffer bro.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, a right. third, I'm the
1: unofficial <laughs> third Duffer bro.
2: <laughs> Check back with me in a month. July 1st, we get the other two episodes. That, so they're going uh, to torpedo forward.
0: another holiday weekend what a, for people
2: what a to cover mm-hmm. this show?
0: Damn.
2: So, uh, yeah, that's going to happen. I'll let let you know what happens with Vecna and all that stuff. It'll be fun.
1: mini-segment, I've been pondering something, as I often am, and I just want to preface all of this by saying, I'm just asking questions. Just
4: asking.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: okay, great. So, yeah. gotten anybody in <laughs> yeah, Nothing's
0: ever gone done. badly after someone said that.
1: No. Uh, so, you guys may have seen this. This week, a man, like a 30-something French man. Mm, I don't like um, this already. <laughs> wearing a wig. He was disguised as an old woman in a wheelchair. Uh, was in the Louvre in Paris. Stood up and then cream pied the Mona Lisa, or like it was. Would nice we? Would we
3: or, use that word? Can we? Can we use pie? any other word? Through than... a cream pie
0: act, <laughs> <laughs> a whipped cream pie.
4: I really, I really I, don't I, think
3: that cream pie the Mona Lisa is where you want to go with this, but. <laughs>
1: Hey, you know what? People can make of it what they will. Okay. And their The French man at, started it. I think it may, be, think it may have been cake. I think it may have been cake anyway. Um, <laughs> I think it may have been cake anyway. He, he smeared frosting on the Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa because it was actually stolen. Early twentieth century it was lost for two years, and then um, in the nineteen fifties, it was <laughs> someone threw acid on the Mona Lisa, and actually, uh, actually destroyed part of the painting. I think they've restored it, but it, it's now under protective glass. So when you smear cake on the Mona Lisa, nothing really happens. But here, here's my question. Thinking about oh, no. the, the Mona Lisa and thinking maybe there's a lot to present-day conversations about technology and art that is wrapped up in this. You'll tell me. But um, I, I'm wondering if the Mona Lisa was ever ruined or completely destroyed. Let's say someone just lit the whole painting on fire. Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa was ostensibly gone forever in physical form. Would that be an unthinkable cultural loss to you? Would you feel like, boy, we've real, this is like, this is something horrible that has happened. Or does the Mona Lisa exist in so many other ways in the consciousness of mankind or in digital forms that it can be, enjoyed it can exist in perpetuity no matter if the physical version of it has been destroyed i'm thinking about notre dame a bit when i think about this question and like here's something that was lit on fire and destroyed and you can't walk in it anymore it will not be the same building ever again and like that is a cultural loss like that cannot be repaired and because it was it can the photographs cannot do it justice but i'm wondering if the mona lisa i guess this is an nft question ultimately.
4: Like. Oh
1: no, mm-hmm. no it's not I'm not doing, it. I'm not doing i, saw, I saw You this knew where was I was going uh, I guess going I just wondering is, like, is the Mona Lisa painting that important? If it, it, his, if it had been destroyed Would it matter?
2: His, is whoever is terrorizing Seth Green right now Equal to the <laughs> cake throwing gentleman? Is everything
1: Seth Green is tweeting about the Smurf Collective for some reason? And,
2: <laughs>
1: and bored apes have anything to do with the mona lisa and what it means to culture at this point has it been just reproduced so many
3: times
2: do we know the point of the cake throwing gentleman yes we do yeah, it are, was are, a, it was supposed it was a prompt
3: for oh i think it was a prompt for this segment he was like <laughs> yeah, i just yeah. will make a mini segment it, it was a, a cameo
1: i paid him like 60 yeah. to go well
2: make like <laughs> here's the thing in like a world where uh, uh like uh, you know they're more mass shootings and an assault on, like, Roe v. Wade, and, like, three weeks ago, a climate protester lit himself on fire in Washington, D.C., and it, like, barely made the news. Yeah, fuck up the Mona Lisa if you need a, to get a point across. I don't give a shit.
1: Wow. I'm uh, not, against, I'm not I mean, against the message. I guess I'm talking more about the <laughs> cultural artifact of destruction of... I mean, yeah, do what You're you
0: You're trying to, to the diss the Mona Lisa.
3: <laughs> I I no, I mean, I think you know, I... I I take Patch's point. I mean, I think that, like, to a certain extent, the Mona Lisa has done its job as being sort of right. an emblem of the, right, of, of the era in which it was created, and I think its, its purpose has been in the preservation of it and in the, in the consecration of it as this sort of emblem of Western art, um, a connection to our past. Um, I think the, the painting itself now... Not, I mean, even if it hadn't been uh, copied to infinity, which it obviously has been, I think you know, it, it also still would have done a job. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that it, it, it is, I, I think it would be seen as an irreparable loss because um it would remind us of the insignificance of humanity and how everything eventually <laughs> fades. And uh, I think it would be more sort of an existential crisis than anything else. Um, mm-hmm. But I, no, I mean, I, you know, the, the concept of modern art wouldn't, collapse i don't think it would have a measurable impact on um you know the, the way that the arts evolve from here uh it, it would i don't think anyone would see it as necessarily a positive thing because it wouldn't you know the mona lisa as, a, as an idea would still exist the images of it would still have proliferated around the universe and uh it's not like it would be an opportunity for people to radically redesign the canon um it's not like you were if you were to wipe the mona lisa and da vinci and the renaissance and all these things from our minds yes maybe that would have an actually measurable impact but um no i mean i think that at this point preserving the mona lisa is uh, effectively a symbolic act in much the same way as destroying it would be a symbolic act
0: yeah i was thinking about uh like the paintings like art that you experience when you see it in real life that feels like different from anything that you could have been prepared for like the sistine chapel like seeing that in real life is like kind of overwhelming or like, right. like Monet's like gigantic water lilies paintings are at MoMA. But, like I've seen the Mona Lisa. I don't know how many of us have been to the Louvre. This is something I'd like to know, Never but have. like I, I, I was have. standing behind, this was before the era of even cell phone cameras, but I was still standing behind a ton of people with their arms up, trying to take pictures of it. So like experiencing the Mona Lisa in person is not really something most people ever get to do anyway. And it's not the kind of like emotionally overwhelming painting in, in its scope or it's, you know, in, in the details of it that I think you need to see in person to get.
2: Yeah, most People, of the time you you sorry. see the Mona Lisa, it's <laughs> on a print that is at least two times the actual size of the Mona Lisa. Yeah. So I remember right. when I saw it, I'm like, what? That's the, I mean, I guess. Yeah, it's tiny.
1: Right, I, I feel like I could probably Google a version of the Mona Lisa where I, I'm allowed to go up, I can like, hover with a digital magnifying glass and see brush strokes and, and analyze. You might even a be allowed
3: like. to cream pie that version of the Mona Lisa. I'll do what I want to do in my <laughs> own time. Thank you very much.
1: Uh, my my mini segment here ends with a, another hypothetical which might be easy for all of you. Yes. I was wondering if I don't know most of you let's say there were two burning buildings. And in one of the burning buildings the Mona Lisa. And in the other building, there is a canister of a film. There's Batman's girlfriend. No, yeah, I'm the Joker. Um, <laughs> there is an unknown film from, like, 1899, a canister of film in, the, in that building that I think is an original. But you don't know what it is. It's just nothing, It could be nothing. It could just be, like, a man photographing himself. But it's from 1899. Or,
0: like, someone's thumb over a lens. Yeah, you
1: don't even know what it is. But would you save the Mona Lisa, or would you save this? Cinematic artifact that you have
3: That has Of course, I'd save no the cinematic save artifact. Otherwise, I you never you know would. what. It you would let the Mona Lisa th- burn. Yeah. I mean, you mm-hmm. guys to see what the movie is, and then you have a great story forever. People be like, "Hey, I, hey are you are the racist, guy that let David? the Mona Lisa burn so you can see like <laughs> probably, Louis probably Lumiere farting it. on a fucking <laughs> lighter?" And like, "Yeah, do it again."
1: <laughs> yeah, jackass zero. <laughs> the lumiere,
4: <laughs> uh, Louis lumiere and this is farting on a lighter. i i
1: mean i talking it out to myself before the podcast i was like i i gotta make sure that in this scenario i'm saving the actual history for something that could not be we haven't either discovered that or there's not much left of this era like we know the mona lisa yeah. well we need to be saving the things that that don't matter to people that aren't as replicated right that, that nitrate film it's going to go up in smoke. Okay, yeah, a I mean, the amount movie. of
0: films for that period that don't exist is staggering. So, I, they I think you're probably art. right that you've, that you've, you've, you've saved the, the film.
2: Who owns these buildings that are just <laughs> containing pieces of val- invaluable art and are both well, on fire? Nitrate at the same film time? is
0: very flammable. So, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah. it's a mistake anyone could make.
2: So, you're saying if you go for the nitrate film, make that decision really fast. Yeah, you
0: got to know where you're going to put it when you're done, too, because you got to protect that
2: shit. This, this, is this is exactly is my, uh, like the Dark Knight. This yeah, is the you, Dark Knight. You night. don't buy real
1: estate from Jigsaw. Uh, that,
2: was, that was the point. Uh, yeah, I run into the nitrate film thing and find the Mona Lisa. I'm like, fuck you,
3: badges. <laughs> Jigsaw made so much fucking money off crypto and now he's buying all the real estate in Manhattan. It's a real problem.
1: Uh, the bored apes are tortured. I,
0: see. I hope this is what that listener wanted to, come to hear when David came back. Would someone, for
3: the love of <laughs> God, not. please entertain those fucking apes? Causing <laughs> havoc.
4: Say live and let die live and let die Live and let die Live and let
2: die We're back to talk about military propaganda. Wow. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs>
3: Yeah, but like really good military propaganda.
2: (laughs) Yeah, see, this is the thing. Uh, So I went and saw a screening of Top Gun Maverick that was in IMAX, and I was already feeling kind of salty because this was not as socially distanced as I usually would have liked. It was pretty packed, and uh, it was a screening for... Various radio hosts and uh, actual members of the military, since, you know, I live in Colorado. So there were some people down from Colorado Springs, the Air Force Academy. Completely different, not the Navy, I know. But everybody wants to see the Tom Cruise jet movie. So I was one of like four people in masks and grumbling to myself. Uh, but then Top Gun Maverick happened to me on IMAX, and I was like, oh, damn. Because every time I was on the lookout for propaganda of uh, some sort, uh, especially after the era of drone warfare, how you're going to justify doing a fighter pilot movie. Uh, I was met by a very uh, smartly written script and uh, well-devised incident at the end of the film where we go into a battle simulation, which, which might as well be against the Galactic Empire for all we know. You will not see a swath of skin from any of the enemies who are bundled up in uniforms and helmets uh, and running around, uh, don't worry about what country would probably be trying to enrich uranium. Uh, that's only one line. Don't worry about it. We're gonna move on mm-hmm. as fast as possible, uh, to do this, uh, sort of, like, half retake on, uh, the original Top Gun mixed with, uh, Star Wars Trench Run, uh, right at the end. And, you know, after that trench run, it kinda turns into a Mission Impossible movie, and that chemistry really works in Top Gun Maverick's favor, uh, there is so much adrenaline, and the adrenaline is uh, so nonstop after a certain point in the movie uh, that my palms were sweating from IMAX photography, and I was like, why does Tom Cruise's face look weird? And it was because the G-Force was pulling his skin away from his skull. Uh, oh yeah, God. Top Gun Maverick is a shit ton of fun. And maybe the most likable I've ever seen Miles Teller.
3: Oh, uh, Easily.
2: Yeah, either either through performance or just, once again, the script really knowing how to stay in its lane. I mean, uh, Miles when you're Turner's
3: able to, to channel Anthony Edwards, I think that's a great favor to any intensely unlikable young actor.
2: Yeah, it is like 60%, must- 60% mustache. Uh, so he's uh, the one acting.
0: playing uh, Goose 2 or whatever his name is?
2: Yeah, Rooster. Rooster! Wow. Oh. Uh, but yeah, I I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think that they also brought back uh, Val Kilmer's uh, Iceman uh, very respectfully, given Val Kilmer's medical condition. And I felt not only did it, you know, honor the actor's returning legacy as that character, but uh, worked really well. Like I think a lot of this film does. If you just pretend they're talking about being a cool movie star uh, and not a uh, Navy pilot. The story is about Tom Cruise. Uh, What is the story? The
0: plot of this movie has like semi escaped me.
2: Okay, so we start at the beginning. Tom Cruise is uh, maverick, is testing, trying to break the Mach 10 barrier um, and save people's jobs because the military wants to just do everything with drones. Who needs fast planes? Why spend money on it? So the question
0: you were asking going into the show, going into the movie, they're like, oh, yeah, we know.
3: It's yeah, a world right in top. which, I mean, as broadly as possible, the the Tom Cruise's of the world are deemed no longer necessary because yeah, you have like self sustaining right? computer generated right. IP. We don't, we don't need no. A it's like it's like Tom Cruise. It's it's all a big allegory of Tom Cruise.
2: And then Pretty John broad. Hamm pulls Tom Cruise out of retirement, and he's like, "I heard he used to be a big movie star in the '80s, and yes. we need that again because there's a movie star like situation." And all these, like, uh, people who are in the Fantastic Four reboot and whatnot, uh, they think they could, you know, nip at your heels, Maverick. Can you teach them to do what you do? And he tries. He tries, you know, he lets lets them play uh, sports on the beach in various modes of undress. And he he goes to the bar where the Great Balls of Fire is played on the piano. But ultimately, they can't rise uh, to the movie stardom. That is uh, Tom Cruise and a little bits of Jennifer Connolly. And uh, the, the, they have to step aside and let the movie star do his thing. That's, that's the story of Maverick.
3: Boom, boom. I, mean, oh, yeah. well, I mean, like- but also on a more I mean, more uh, granularly, it was something that this movie does very well. It fixes maybe the biggest plot-related sin of the original, which in a famously ham-fisted moment, uh, you know, they're at their graduation ceremony. And it's like, hey, we just got orders in. You got to go right now. Like, literally put down your fucking drinks and hats and whatever and get in your planes. Forget
0: and... the canapes. Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> and uh, this movie undoes that in the biggest way possible in that it, the entire film is the build up to this one miss- mission that they run through again and again and again. And they show the audience every possible contour of what the mission is going to entail, every turn, every, you know, where the enemy's going to be, what the topography is going to be, et, et cetera. Uh, My temptation with this sort of thing is always to compare it to the Battle at the End of Seven Samurai. Uh, A lofty comparison, I know, but Kurosawa spends so much time, very incidentally, sort of uh, familiarizing viewers with the geography of the village so that when the raider, the bandits, finally attack towards the end, um, you know where everyone is all the time. You understand what it means when one character is at this point and another character is at that point, how they can get from A to B and how long it's going to take. And that's something they do... Very, very well in this movie, while also having a number of, you know, hair raising um, set pieces in between Um, all of them, you know, none of them having to do with the enemy, all of them having to do with other more abstract enemies, namely mortality, time, um, their own competitive streak, resentment, Miles Teller's rooster's resentment against uh, Tom Cruise for being allegedly responsible for killing his old man. He kind of was, uh, right? Well,
4: like I just uh, the original talk, okay, yeah. okay. Oh,
3: no, he's cleared. Listen, also, this is not, established. Not. This is established law, and unlike the Supreme Court of the United States, you don't just randomly dredge shit up and decide that what's been law for mm. several decades is uh, going out the window. Um, but the uh, yeah, and so like when the when the action finally starts towards the end, um, you really feel like you are, if not in the cockpit of one of those planes, and we'll get to the way they shot this movie in a minute. Um, but you, you feel you understand the stakes of the mission and, and the shape of the mission. Um, and when things go wrong, which inevitably they do, you understand exactly how uh, and that's fucking rules. <laughs> it's great.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit more to the rooster maverick dynamic beyond like the I thought you were responsible for killing my dad. And that's really what I liked about this, because the first movie has this like. You know, the C plot uh, of uh, Maverick sort of not knowing uh, what happened to his dad because it was all like classified and he you know learns at his lowest point that his dad wasn't a loser. And so that helps raise him up. But Then there's also stuff uh, in the movie about like uh, other characters, you know, wanting to spend more time with their son or not really getting to see their son or making an orphan of their son. There's all this like father son talk and Top Gun Maverick takes the same sort of issues about like um, how much you should be judged by the reputation of your father or what being a father figure despite not being an actual biological father means and just flips it so it's from the parent's perspective instead of from the cocksure young child's perspective. And I think it really works because Top Gun doesn't... Or Top Gun Maverick doesn't need that much filler to go on top of the plot that David's describing because it's so meticulously built like the Jennifer Connelly stuff was fine but it's mostly there to show off uh you know another absent male dynamic uh um in this case you know sort of Maverick keeps breaking this uh this woman's heart who's actually a unmentioned or an unseen but mentioned character in the first movie um it's just it it's there and it's inoffensive and it lets Tom Cruise do some some mugging but the, the meat of Top Gun Maverick is just a well, well-crafted summer thriller.
3: It's, it is pretty incredible, just to reiterate what Dave was saying earlier, that they've made a movie about, like, a passing the baton movie, in which the baton, by the end of it, it, it also sort passed of back. You know, reinforces the idea that the baton <laughs> cannot be passed, because only one man is worthy Didn't of carrying did do this it? in Mission it's Impossible able...
1: too? Like, Ghost Protocol they was supposed to be... Did. Hey, it's Jeremy Renner. Wait, I, no, I'll take I that suppose, baton back, but...
3: Mr. Renner. Uh, well, I think this is a little bit more deliberate and has less to do with Jeremy, you know, being a charisma suck. I mean, I think that, like this they weren't is...
0: trying to pretend that Miles Teller was right. going to take over for Tom Cruise. Um, this
3: time. Right? Well, because and they unlike learned Ghost, from Ghost Protocol. Ghost that particle, that you this isn't just like three good set pieces glued together with a bunch of bullshit on either side. Wow, uh, this is a great movie from tip to toe. And I mean, I will just never abide that movie being towards the top of the Mission Impossible rankings. It, it does not sit well in my craw. Uh, but uh, the um, yeah, no, I mean like it it, it is a a, incredible thing. This movie is able to do both those things at once to do both them well in a way that feels completely uncompromised Uh, and, and then also, you know, backs it up every step of the way with the way in which it's filmed and the fact that there is not a single minute of this movie where you feel like there is another movie star on earth who could do what Tom Cruise is doing. um, And will, that would would have willed this into existence. Uh, And yeah, Man, I mean, like, I am—I am like physically afraid of that man. If you put me alone in a room with him, I would be like clawing at the at the exits. Um, the intensity and whatever craziness it's uh, it's percolating below it is just a little bit too much for me. But God bless him for giving this much of a shit about something that increasingly people don't give a shit. I mean, he is a very problematic figure, and we only really know the tip of the iceberg. I think sometimes in the most troubling reports you read, you're like, wait, what I don't know could. uh Keep me up at night, but I mean, I, I, I have a begrudging respect for people who uh, do what they do with all of their being and, and are committed to doing it better than anybody else. And when it comes to when that thing is is the movies and then playing an outsized and not at all hyperbo- hyperbolic role in saving them, um, you know, it's hard to imagine a better avatar than Tom Cruise and this movie it's like it's it's just it's it's super charming it it, you know it
2: it back me off my military propaganda thing even though i try to preface every conversation with that it's like yes if you're using military craft then it's military propaganda because it has to get approved Uh, but also this is the first uh tom cruise movie i've uh, seen in theaters since go to call because I was like, this guy's too weird for me. You didn't, see,
3: you didn't see Fallout in theaters? What is wrong with you? Life is only so long. Why would you deprive yourself of one of its greatest joys?
2: I mean, I still have not seen Fallout. Oh, my God. No! Uh, well, man. So I
0: wanted to get into the Tom cruise of it all, though, because I, yes. like, I think his weirdness as a movie star is kind of unmatched. Like, I can't think of a movie star who was like, as blatantly, like, problematic and difficult and, like, not someone who you look up to in any way but still completely wins you over on screen. And, Dave, you seem like the, like, the exact example of why this works because, like, you were so primed to be completely dumb with Tom Cruise, but he got you back!
2: Mm Mm-hmm. All it took was an overcrowded IMAX screening of Maverick, and I was like, God damn it. Actually, no. (laughs) I think it's, um... Uh, Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie's, um... You know, crusade to save cinema through uh, filming some of the most audacious shit that has ever been put in theaters, together with Joseph Krasinski, you know, or that's the director's name, correctly. I'm, yeah. I'm saying it right.
4: Yeah. I um, so.
2: sort of coming out of the Tron Legacy, <laughs> yeah, minds uh, with a real <laughs> idea of the pitfalls of this type of story. Um, and hmm. do not even. I don't think he's there's definitely some shots where he's aping a Tony Scott sort of vibe especially with like the yellows and oranges as were on the aircraft carrier but it's not aping the look of that movie in the air he's really developed a way to IMAx film this and a way to film it so they could be in the cockpits uh mm-hmm. that really elevates this movie I would say well, it's you know I, I can't say it's for sure it's better directed but I do think the movie overall is well, better that, than that's the I'll, I'll, I think mean, it's like
3: a- I just want to say, like I, you know, a, a tiger can't change its stripes. Joseph Kaczynski is a very particular filmmaker. He is as clean in his visual aesthetic and his lines as Tony Scott was, sort of messy and expressionistic. And um, they they couldn't be was more Tony Scott that way. That's that's really
1: what yes. I wanted to ask Katie. Which
3: is yes. Like... Uh, wait, hold no, no, I mean, on. And, and I don't just, know if I
2: agree. Uh, having just, watched Just uh, And That's fine, recently. but just.
3: Uh, I mean, I more recent not, I, I, scott? I, I watched, sure. like, watched up ground the night before i saw top gun maverick i, I, I don't think there's really any really I, I don't think there's really any um i feel like you're talking I don't about think there's really any tony argument that, t- that tony scott was not a uh a much more uh, pungent and florid filmmaker than joseph kaczynski who is sort of like an you know not he makes he makes, yes, he, he makes movies kaczynski that feel like, like they're
1: making movies Yes. I understand that.
3: And they are very diametrically different
1: compared to Tony Scott of. But I think
3: it so is kind of the, Okay, but the the dialogue between the two is very similar. Like it feels to me like a, a conscious decision. I don't think that Joseph Kaczynski could have directed this movie any other way. But it does feel like you know, Top Gun is sort of the, the work, or at least a reflection of a younger man, the character of, of Maverick, is of the younger. Man who's all, you know, piping hot full of testosterone and, and wanting to prove himself and everything else. And I do think Kaczynski's style lends itself to the feel of a sort of politically anodyne movie, which this is, um, despite its military propaganda. I mean, it is edgeless. Uh, but at the same time, it's like a, a reflection of a wizened character who is become very has become very isolated and is very contained and you know, I think that like it, it it does the filmmaking and the style of it reflects the difference in the character from how he was 30 years ago, and I think it's it it, it works very well in that sense.
4: Taxes,
0: you want to talk about original Top Gun?
1: Well, I want I wanted to ask you, <clears throat> David. I don't know if there's a good segue anymore, but I, I don't I care wish... about a
0: segue. I mean, <laughs> you sure watch to original about Top, about Top Gun.
1: <laughs> well, no, I I oh I, um, I remember my segue now, which was. I'm I'm curious if rewatching now, if actions to hold up. You know, the, the action of the movie was so lauded at the time, but to David's point, I think Tony Scott became more singular later in life, more expressionistic, and oh, sure. um, more unhinged in a, in a good way. <laughs> um, and Top Gun does some innovative thing by strapping cameras to certain places. I'm I guess I'm wondering. Why it became Dad's favorite movie and why it's like <laughs> why why how it stood this long to become how this how a sequel could make like 140 million dollars and like why Top Gun was so beloved all this time. I mean, I I think 10 years ago they were releasing it in 3D, uh, the original Top Gun, and that that made some bank. Like people love that movie. People love that movie and rewatching it now, I'm like, it's good. I guess. Yeah. On the, on, you know what? What is the innovation of Top Gun? I think the aerial combat is cool, but I don't know if it for you. Watching the movie was it the first time you watched the movie? Had you seen it before? No, or?
0: I had seen it, but it okay. had been such a long time. I didn't. Did it strike I, you I at all? Like in nothing. any
1: in any way?
0: I mean, I think the like the oranges, like all the like shots <laughs> of the sunset behind everybody, like it, it has like a lot of flourish there. The aerial combat is good. Like I think it's been aped so much at this point that I think you'd have to really like put yourself back in the mindset of see it's been board age so so many times since
4: then Jeez.
0: um but it's like it's slow it's like a weirdly slow movie and what dave was saying earlier about like the entire thing is them practicing so you're like okay there they are flying in the air again having a fake war great and then at the very end it gets real and he goes back to the uh air force uh or the uh air airplane carrier that's not the word what is it aircraft, called? Carrier. aircraft carrier thank you uh with uh principal strickland for back to the future um it's it feels very like cool we're cool guys hanging out and like plot wise it's directionless which is very intriguing that the new one is so honed in on how the plot works which i think is partly just how like blockbuster filmmaking has changed since then i think you have to have like more plot and more like a b and c stories going on in there much less
3: sex slash homoerotic shower tension well i mean there's no sex anymore at all right but i like part and parcel of kaczynski's deal is is sort of a lack of carnality, which I think dovetails really well with. But the how, that, how much McQuarrie uh, like is in, that, in the this, way that Hollywood in this
1: new movie, like Macquarie, who has gone to to great lengths to explain how he writes Mission Impossible movies on the fly and connects the dots for whatever Tom Cruise wants to do, like he's a plot I, yeah, maestro. I don't think McQuarrie I don't think Macquarie has anything to do it. with the
3: movie's you know completely uh, you know a, a complete asexuality, but. Uh, well, that's not um, what I'm talking about. I'm
1: talking about when we're talking about plot, when we're talking about Maverick, Top Gun Maverick functioning as a, as a kind of plot-driven movie versus the original Top Gun, which is just like, here's a bunch of brats doing bratty stuff, and then they fly some planes. And it's but I, I think oh, it's when you have
3: tough. an anchor as solid as, you know, they're going on a... He's going to be assigned to train them for the mission at the beginning, and they're going to go on the mission at the end, then it does give someone like Macquarie who you know, didn't have his hands in this as deep as he does in the Mission Impossible movies, obviously, but was playing a role. It gives him and the other people on the creative team room to play around, move scenes around, to fiddle with the dynamic between... To play with the boys. Tom Cruise and... To play with the boys. uh, Mm -hmm. To have one tasteful beach volleyball scene... As opposed to several, where every dialogue scene is uh, with people in the showers, as it was not the first movie. Um, the missed uh,
0: opportunity. I was to yeah.
3: say, this is not um, what people
0: want.
1: I've read uh, a few accounts that this was an awakening film for many.
2: People. I I have a I have a big brain thought about those patches, <laughs> which is if you watch the first Top Gun, the action sequences are constructed by getting whatever jet plane footage that they could and stitching together the narrative of the fight through radio transmissions, uh, which is, you know, just the way you film something. When I was rewatching Top Gun, I was like, hey, yeah, these are, you know, some pretty good aerial combat shots. I look up off my phone, I was rewatching on my phone, doesn't matter, because Java was using the TV to rewatch Rogue One, and I looked up for some aerial battle footage there, and that's all CGI, the camera go anywhere, the, like, uh, degree of control of motion is endless so they have some very clear ideas of what's taking place in the action scene i cannot tell you geographically what happens in the big conclusion against like somewhere between six to ten migs in the first <laughs> top gun yeah because everything's a silhouette because they're trying to shoot fucking jet planes in real yeah. life it's very difficult this one because like david was, sa- was saying it's all about showing you the various degrees of this so when it actually happens you could recognize it but the filmmaking has changed to the point where they can do all of these things in a very visually clear manner. So, you yes, know, what's I going. Think. Right. We, just, we needed this sequel because it's, Patches, a, uh, it's a
1: remaster. It's like we needed the yeah. upgrade next gen version of Top Gun. Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, Patches was, was underselling it a bit when he's like, oh, they stuck cameras in places like they're fucking <laughs> Sam Raimi. No, they they literally, they shot more footage for this movie than the I'm sorry, I'm t- I was talking about Top Gun 1986 when I said that oh okay i see i know, because I know for, what you're, you're for, talking about maverick yes for maverick right they shot more footage in the uh, entire lord of the rings trilogy because they would send the planes up with the actors in them i would assume in the back seats with uh, professional pilots uh in the front seats and they would really design them to the best of their ability and and you know you know done the cinematography as best they can from the ground remotely and then would uh you know, send the planes to choreograph routines and buzz this plane here and buzz that plane there. And you're flying in very particular parts of the United States where you're allowed to fly that low to the ground and make sure everything is as legitimate and, and real as possible on screen. And then uh, Joseph Kaczynski gets the footage back a few hours later and has to comb through it and see what they got. But uh, it, it is a very, very different process than it's We're like gonna... they're creating, you know, rather than just like stitching together Found footage, almost of what the of the battles in the first movie. Here they are creating that footage, and then you know creating it blindly, and then having to piece this it together, is
1: just like Top yeah. Gun shoe. Yeah, you got to create, shoot a bunch of shit, and try and stitch it together.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, the, it, it's there's been an entire change based on how we viewed these things and how we view them as correct. It's sort of like the original Top Gun has a whole bunch of stuff that's sort of left over from the greaser period of, you know, like George Lucas cinema, where they're talking about the machines and, like, the MiG could do that and our thing could do this and you're, like, pulling Gs and the machines are, like, things. This new one is just, like, the enemy has super advanced planes. They're, like, you know, advanced Mach 5 or something. it's completely made up. But it's because we aren't used to seeing aerial battle footage as, like, fucking World War II newsreels. Uh, or hmm. vietnam uh television shots we're used to seeing um george lucas star wars style aerial battles uh, which were based on newsreels but again have the degree of control where you could make them make uh visual sense so it's the same sort of way that like eventually people are not going to have the same way of looking at practical makeup effects uh like we do be having being born in the 80s because they will have just been being raised with, like, digital makeup effects and things like that being normal. Um, So all these things that, you know, are uh, encoded in the way we used to watch cinema, one of them is fucking fighter pilots. And so the thing that makes Top Gun Maverick thrilling is it's shot like a computer made it, but it has these telltale signs that it's absolutely the real planes and absolutely the actors in the cockpit. And you could feel it. You feel it in IMAX. What you're saying is that Joseph Kaczynski,
0: Human Computer, is the only director who could have made Joseph this movie.
2: Kaczynski, human Computer. Human computer. I mean, he's he's, had that vibe he's the always. escaped program sure. from Tron Legacy.
3: It, <laughs> it Pat, just Were you disappointed that uh, when Maverick reconnected with Rooster, and didn't say, "Hey, son," lost track of time.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, I will be disappointed. I should say. still
0: haven't oh, yeah, seen you that. You still haven't seen it. You Are you
1: holding a grudge? I, or... I
3: have a newborn son. You ate, you ate the whole shoe and a free <laughs> cake, by the way, in this payola scandal where yeah, you yeah. got a free cake from Paramount. <laughs> 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 I forgot about the payola
1: scandal. The fondant.
2: And, and yet Is you that still haven't
3: actually seen the movie. You haven't even paid them back their 1895 whatever movie ticket cost in your area. Is that I, why I the
2: Mona them. Lisa got cream pied Because you can't defame <laughs> cake anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: needed to throw the rest of the cake out. It was me as Mrs. Doubtfire in the loo. <laughs> uh,
0: how how's your stomach doing after your uh, fruit leather shoe?
1: I, I yeah I will say uh, luckily it wasn't it wasn't like eating something completely i had to scrap plans i was originally going to make the soul out of, i bought a canned ham you can buy a goya canned ham i was gonna try and turn that into a jerky soul but i i didn't uh, and i thought that would be quite awful i was gonna like
0: put really the awful in
1: there but uh yeah it didn't get that far just had to eat the <laughs> fruit leather shoe but i i don't do well with sugar the, the cake itself was so so sugary the the fondant as you were saying was uh it's just like two bites of shoe fondant was like not so the shoe out.
0: cake was worse than the fruit leather shoe that you walked in your yard in. in no, I will street. say no.
1: I I will say the fruit leather shoe was was too much sugar. Uh, I don't I don't deal with. sugar. I'm more of a savory guy, so eating it made of any amount of sugar. I wisely uh, stopped making the fruit leather with sugar added and like honey. You're supposed to add honey or or Ooh. A teaspoon of sugar or something to the fruit leather, and I, I stopped doing that for my own health. But uh... No, I felt pretty bad like four hours later, um, and and laid down. But it, you know, I've been worse. It's been worse. I, doing the milk gallon challenge, which I also put in the video a bit. That was that was a bad time. But this was—you
0: were younger then, though.
1: The bad time here was like stressing out so much in the last month. Like my son was born. Okay, great. Now I have to worry about the shoe that I have to eat. Uh, after mm-hmm. 12 years, of, of... <laughs> a classic father
3: concern.
1: Hold my son, about, I have right? to eat
3: a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but yes, as someone wisely pointed <clears throat> out too, I'm like, why didn't I wear a sock when I put my shoe on? It's particularly gross. I went sockless. It would have had a lot of lint stuck to it. That's true. That's true. It that's is something it to was a consider. Little sticky, but I guess it was sticking to my skin gross foot skin
2: that's foot skin's gross i mean doesn't it feel nice to undoubtedly have gotten past the thing that's going to be on your wikipedia page for the rest (laughs) of your life i hope it's on the
1: top gun maverick does matt patches have a wikipedia i don't have i don't have a wikipedia page
3: yeah, no, well, I now
1: I don't have a Wikipedia page. I have done nothing notable.
3: I mean, I think we're also on the level where your family members write your obituaries, so I don't think he has to worry about that being the first line. If uh, hopefully, you know, depending if you, unless your kids, you know, really, really, like, that's assholes. all they took from you and want to leave. My, with that, my yeah. father, within
0: weeks of my birth, ate a shoe for the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about how Sean Penn threatened to smelt his Oscars uh, if Zelensky didn't show up, uh, which need he did And up then, to these and yeah, well, this is the thing. Do you feel good now that you're better than Sean Penn?
1: I did see a lot of, and I think this is a, a positive thing and a, and a good way to live. Like people thought, in a rare instance, someone on the internet did what they said or like said they were wrong and made good on it. And I feel like that is a good a, takeaway, a good. Take, a good yep that.
2: Matt accountability patches yeah. uh, that's, that's always <laughs> been you you know if you can't
1: it, I, I'll only tweet things that I can do and that I can stand by So that's a good way you to did do. you
0: did say in Vanity Fair that you don't think Top Gun 3 will happen
1: do you guys I, I, I yeah let's end the segment by saying is this a franchise is this like Tom Cruise doing more Top Gun I just don't see it being possible i just think I mean, a tom, one and done, tom Cruise. a one-and-done
3: like to your point itself is maverick maverick is tom cruise and top gun is also maverick and by extension tom cruise so i i do have a of all franchises uh um, is it a franchise to talk about that sort of that double bind i mean this is a franchise it, this is the second film it's a franchise i mean of all uh of all and we talked about the double binds, like passing the baton down, and and how it's sort of like half passed and then shared, but really belongs to Tom Cruise. I, I do think that this franchise is a different beast without Tom Cruise in it, and I also have a hard time imagining Tom Cruise making another one. Um, right. Particularly why? because why is United it more is,
0: unlikely for this than Mission Impossible?
3: what well, I think that can you do with a They're plane. done with Mission Impossible. I mean, they're making they their Mission Impossible Eight is mostly in the can, and that's it. So I think is you know, it? it's going to be six. 60- yeah, I didn't. Yeah, well, I'm just
0: uh, learning about six- franchises all over the place in this episode. I mean, uh, the, the plane, the plane can't I mean, ride I, a
1: motorcycle over a cliff. A plane can't I jump mean, on a horse. The like,
3: there really is only so. I mean, I would, I would, I dare Tom Cruise to defy this statement. And I'm sure, if anyone could, it's him. But like, it feels like there's really only so much more you can do in a fighter plane. I mean, the big evolution for this one was to do so much of it for real, um, and they did. And, you know, short of the switch to VR, which would cause just vi- vomit, you know, across the world and bring those G's into your home and you know, the projectile vomit out of it. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think that there's necessarily anywhere for it to go. It does feel like there's a lot of closure here, complete circle. Um, At open, least not in the next 20 years. To I mean, who
1: knows how... The the whole point of this movie seems to be the technological leap you would need. Yeah, but Miles
3: Teller to isn't Tom Cruise. Miles Teller cannot make this movie in twenty no, years. I'm, I'm, he can't do Top Gun. You're saying, saying Tom so,
1: Cruise can't make I'm this saying, movie in twenty years? Yeah, I'm saying Tom, cybernetic 70? Tom Cruise will be, yeah, he'll able be to that. Uh, the elderly man, Oscar, of a poor or so, plugged into a. Well, no, He's
3: going to be seventy-nine
0: years old in twenty years. If
3: there's a if Top Gun three, it's filmed in the volume. He is planning on making that movie that has nothing to do with Tom Cruise. Right. Uh, nothing to do with Top Gun um, <laughs> in, in space. I am very skeptical that that movie will happen. I am not going to eat anything if it does, uh, <laughs> but I don't also want that to mean that I'm not I'm going to fast if it happens. I, I'm just not going to eat a particular <laughs> food in connection with the movie. Um, but. No I, more moon pies for David. Yeah, yeah you're
2: really careful uh, to close all those
3: no loopholes on that. No ice cream. <laughs> oh, um, but I uh, I think that that seems like the next frontier for him. I don't necessarily see the appeal making another Top Gun, but we've had our fill. I think this should be satisfying audiences for 30 years. Then maybe, you know, he's inspiring someone out there. It's not going to be Miles Teller, I'll tell you that. It's going to be the, uh, the next Tom Cruise if such a thing can exist. Um, but maybe, maybe they can. I mean, there's the evanescence of the Tom Cruise archetype and what he means and the stardom that, you know. He, that, that sort of he's synonymous with um, but I think it is a special movie for that reason and the two people on this podcast who have not seen it should make a point of doing that um, I'm planning to I,
0: I definitely don't want to see it at home like I think that no, feels like no 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 I mean Tom Cruise will
3: personally roll up to Durham North Carolina hey,
2: and, hey Katie Katie Rich Yeah, I'm trying to save this fucking
3: industry get no, the fuck out of here <laughs> no no he's gonna get there but first it's just like he stares Katie in the eyes and he's like you're you're disappointing yourself. Like, what did you do there? What did yeah, you do? Yeah, imagine so like, a like a choir you whisper. up to your potential.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we're we're gonna then, get California yeah. Tom Cruise to roll up to your house.
2: Hey. Is this the example Kate. you want to set for your children, <laughs> <laughs> your little male Katey. children? Katey. <laughs> Katey. Tom
1: Cruise. <laughs> it's uh, me. Your ego is cashing checks. <laughs> 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 no, Cal- I don't California
0: Tom Cruise did a great job. Let's be clear. For some reason,
1: my exactly. California Tom Cruise is like Watto. Hey, kitty! Come to the skies! Now,
3: now, was that a cameo that you just simply removed, like, the cameo logo? Did you arrange, like, an I didn't remove extra... the cameo
1: logo.
3: Oh, it's on there? Okay. Oh,
1: it's on there. I, I felt like that was...
0: Yeah, no, I think cam- you gotta give cameo credit for making such a thing yeah, possible. The man,
1: the man needs to eat. I paid California time.
3: I, I would absolutely watch a, a shorter documentary than Top Gun Shoe about... California Tom Cruise receiving that request and just processing <laughs> it in his head to figure out what the fuck that was he did exactly
1: about. what I did. He talked about. I, I know shoes. he came through. But... Incredible. Did it. I
0: mean, you know that the people who do cameos must get the weirdest shit sent to them on a regular. Or the basis. dumbest
1: shit. This was probably a relief. His big. That's break true.
0: There. It wasn't a weird sex thing that he knows. I mean,
1: speak of. for yourself, Katie. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We all got <laughs> a cream pieing and stuff. Um. <laughs> <laughs> where what else what have we got um top gun it's behind us top thank gun God. maverick it's thank gonna God. it's gonna
2: save movies it's over it's 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 not over patches it's just beginning <laughs> now already nothing's coming out next week in uh in, it's over oh, for me Tom Cruise maverick <laughs> it is over for you
0: That does it for this week's show we'll be back next week david as far as we know is not going back to europe yet so we'll have him back too in the meantime tell the people who you are
1: i am matt patch's deputy editor at polygon on leave currently and now really on leave. shoe eater uh, in chief yeah shoe eater in chief everyone should go watch top gun shoe or whatever i called it i had Top Gun do um it's it's, it's the, it got written up at Page Six. It got written up at Vanity Fair. It's sure did. The talk There's, of the I, town. Not, beca-
0: not because of me. I want to be clear. I did not assign that story. No, that's
1: <laughs> it's that's great. Yeah, it got a weird amount of press, um, and not a lot of bad reactions, I should say. Very cordial. Everyone seemed very excited. I think people were happy to see
3: positive vibes on the internet, a rare site. Possibly no, nauseated by. I think the backlash is coming. Like, next weekend, <laughs> you know, it's like everyone's just going to fucking... Turn Somebody could have used thing. that shoe! You You're bastard! Shake
0: duck. You don't know why, you don't know how, but it's happening. <laughs> right. It's very
1: possible. Uh, anyway, I'm on Twitter, at Mr. Patches. We have a website, fightingintheworm.com, where you can actually listen to episodes from. No, you can't listen to episodes from 2010 when I made the tweet, because I don't think we were even podcasting then we were podcasting in 2011 um what a strange thing it outlasts it predates our podcast that's crazy anyway listen to every single episode of fighting in the world
3: uh yeah do that uh and then die (laughs) (laughs) i think that's uh all you'd have time for i'm uh david rolich you can what do i do what do i say at this point it's been so long since i've been on the show uh I'm on Twitter, David Olick. I'm on the IndieWire, uh, where you could have read all of the stuff that I wrote. If you can uh, it's over now? Um, and you can find all of us, more importantly, on iTunes at Fighting in the War Room. Leave us a review on iTunes. We'll read it live on the show. If you leave us a review on iTunes, Fighting in the War
0: iTunes. Room. iTunes. Say it again. iTunes. iTunes. iTunes.
2: I this is this is me learning that I know how to do David's sign off better than David knows how to do his sign off. <laughs> uh, I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at DA7E. You can email all of us your international reviews or other miscellany at at gmail.com. You could also hear more me on my Patreon podcast, Dave and Neil's Pop Culture Adventure. You could also hear me on Trial by Content with John Robinson and Neil Miller, where this week. I represented some fighting in the war room when I had to pitch a legacy sequel. I pitched our flight of the Navigator sequel,
4: ah. uh, so
2: we'll see if we win a poll uh, up there at theringer.com. Uh, yeah, that's me.
0: I'm still mad at you for making me watch *Flight of the Navigator*, so I'm going to be clear: I'm not behind that one. Uh, but maybe it, like *Top Gun: Maverick*, would be better than the original. Uh, I'm Katie Rich. You can find me at Vanity Fair on the Little Gold Men podcast over there where we're doing Pride Month uh, Oscar flashbacks, um, which is going to be really fun and interesting. So listen along with us. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. And we're all on Twitter at F-I-T-W-R where you can, um, you know, comment patches for eating his shoe one last time or you can answer this week's lightning round question, which
2: was. In honor of Watcher, what's your favorite cinematic stalker? Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week.
3: Let's go, Rangers! Woo!
4: I'm done.